My name is Evan Fraser, and I'm the director of the Errol Food Institute at the University of Guelph. This is part of a regular podcast series on how to feed the future in a way that is healthy, sustainable, and nutritious. One of the key issues facing the future is the issue of poverty and food insecurity, of people getting access to the food that they need for a healthy and nutritious diet. Today, I'm joined by Madeline Arsenault, one of our University of Guelph's top students, to discuss this issue. Thanks, Evan. I'm excited to dive deeper into this topic and talk to experts. Today, we're going to discuss food access and inequality in Canada. Living in a developed country, we often assume there are little to no challenges when it comes to things like water, food, and shelter. Unfortunately, this is not the case. We've seen a steady increase in hunger and obesity over the years. In fact, 4 million people in Canada are considered moderately or severely food insecure. In this episode, we're going to hear from experts from Food Secure Canada, Maple Leaf Centre for Action on Food Security, and Community Food Centres Canada. Let's first go chat with Danny Martin. Thanks for being here today, Danny. Can you explain what got you into this role and a little bit more about what Food Secure Canada does? I always thought that food is such an interesting aspect to work on because actually it involves everybody and it brings people together. Um, Food Secure Canada is a national and bilingual uh, network of organizations and individuals that are working together, uh, trying to advance food security and food sovereignty. So we're working to make our food system more healthy, more just, and more sustainable. And our work is mainly focused on federal advocacy and bringing people together and sharing information. That's great. And can you give us a definition of food access? For me, food access is really um, being able to get appropriate quality and amount of food for yourself and for your family. So if you don't have food access, it actually means you are food insecure. So it comes back to food insecurity. And really, for me, it's really a question of income that makes it uh, difficult to put food on the table. And this, it doesn't mean that it's only the people who don't have jobs. Uh, Actually, 60% of food insecure households have jobs. Mm -hmm. Uh, For some people, it might be not accessing the most healthy or appropriate food for them. For others, it might be keeping one or more meals so that their children can eat. Another thing also about uh, food access or food insecurity, it's also inequality. The recent research showed that black households are actually twice as likely to experience food insecurity in Canada. And Mm -hmm. if we look at Inuit and indigenous population, it's even higher. And I think um, you talked about kind of the colonialism behind a lot of our policies. And what are some of the things you think the government needs to do with regards to food access and justice to help alleviate some of these challenges? One example that that just happened um, this summer is the federal government released the food policy for Canada. And in this food policy, there were specific references to food security. And this was really game-changing in terms of the in terms of a food policy because it was prioritizing community resilience, it was prioritizing connection among food actors, uh, health, sustainability, and also self-determined indigenous food systems. So it was thinking about all these things that together form the system and together also, uh, if we we think about all of them, we can do a difference in terms of uh, food access and food insecurity and also food injustice. So it really seems like what you're talking about, and correct me if I'm wrong, but seems to be that we need to move beyond this model of those that are food insecure will need to rely on charity, but instead we need to look at a higher level and look at the systemic problems and policies. 
Yes, it's exactly what I'm saying. Uh, we're trying to go at the, the roots of the causes of what creates um, food insecurity or food inequality. We're trying to go uh, really beyond and work with different actors because a system means that everything is really connected together. It's not only one thing, it's not only two things, it's everything together that will create these issues. Yeah, definitely. Um, and as you know, a lot of these topics are quite complex, like you just said, and they're often quite negative. What are some of the positive things you've seen come out of this current food movement? The really positive thing that I'm working on that we saw is the creation of a national school food program. Mm-hmm. Um, and this year, we've seen especially uh, a momentum for school food that really like came uh, came up. People are getting more and more involved. Uh, there's, there's a lot of talk about this in the media and even schools are getting involved in many projects, uh, for example, like creating salad bars and youth being involved in, in getting the word out uh, that healthy food for all every day is really important. So this is a uh, project that, um, that I'm working on with the Coalition for Healthy School Food and they're advocating for a national school food program since a long time and now it's really actually been in the it, it was in the last uh, federal budget, so we are. This is really giving us hope, and it was really positive for us to see that our work is actually uh, having an effect. And um, eventually, we we will see a, a school food program in Canada for for all children. Thank you so much for your time with us today, Danny. It's been great. Let's now go and chat with Sarah Stern. Sarah is with the Relief Center for Action on Food Security. Thanks for coming on today, Sarah. Happy to be here. Thank you, Maddie. So can you start um, explaining a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Yeah, so I lead the Maple Leaf Center for Action on Food Security, which is a registered charity. What my job is in that company is to lead the charity and to lead our work around um, increasing access to food, access to good food for people across Canada. In Canada, often, where you see hunger, you also see obesity. Mm-hmm. And that's because in Canada, most people are going to the store to purchase their food. And in many cases, people aren't able to buy the good, healthy food and the fresh produce um, that we would often consider to be part of a good diet. And, and they are, are purchasing a variety of other things that lead to obesity. That's why you see hunger and obesity together in Canada. Yeah, definitely. And would you say that food access itself is the issue or do you think there's underlying issues? So I think there's a little bit of both. I think in many cases, we find that healthy foods are sometimes more expensive. In some cases, if you live in Toronto or you live in Guelph or you live in a major urban center that has grocery stores, it's the uh, the cost of the cost of the good healthy food is higher than the cost of other food, which is what people are purchasing. In other places in Canada that are that are more rural or more remote, you're limited to what's in the store. And in some of those cases, so if you live on a reserve or if you live in Canada's far north, the availability of good fresh food is very low. So you're limited to what you're able to purchase or get from the land. Right. So a lot of it seems to be based on where you are and what you have access to, but also yeah. kind of related to finances and the price of food. For sure, food prices rising. And I, I think um, it's, it's always been a, a challenge in the, in the society that we live in. We, we've moved away from, the, from an era of trading to a, a cash society. 
And so if you are living in poverty, it can be very difficult to purchase good food. There are many other things that someone needs to pay for before they pay for food, such as a roof over their head. Right. So it's kind of about prioritizing what you can. And at the end of the month, you might not have enough for food after you finish paying the bills and everything. Something that a lot of people have kind of chatted about is how this isn't just an issue of charity and donations. It's a bigger issue and we need to kind of get at the root causes of it if we want to address it properly. Yeah. You know, when we look at it, we say that in Canada, we really, as a Canadian population, we like to think of ourselves as caring, compassionate, inclusive, yet somehow we've let 4 million people suffer with food insecurity. Yeah. So it's really, it's un-Canadian. It goes against our values and we need to create change. Yeah, definitely. And what are some of the things that you think the government can do and what role does the government play in alleviating these challenges? I, I think that the government has a big role to play in alleviating these challenges. We've got this great poverty reduction strategy. It's talked about looking at food insecurity as one of the indicators it will consider, but it hasn't set any targets around the reduction of food insecurity. It's so great to see the government set targets because if you have a target, it's something that's going to work towards mm-hmm. around this. But more needs to be done for the, for the working population who don't have children or who are single because those are the people who are being left behind right now. And because there's no current government program, which is assisting those people. And then a final question is what can listeners do to take action themselves? I would encourage them to take a look around their community and see what they can do to create positive change. So whether it's going out and volunteering with a local charity or helping with a local food program within the school. And I think just having that increased awareness of what's going on around them is really important. Yeah, definitely. I think those are some great goals. And I think they're things that students can do and start thinking about. I'm very excited to introduce to you Sasha McNichol. Sasha is a policy manager for Community Food Centers Canada. Thank you so much for being here today, Sasha. Thanks for having me. So can you start by explaining a little bit more about who you are and what Community Food Center Canada does? Community Food Centers Canada is a national organization um, that uh, builds community food centers across the country. So these are uh, community centers that focus on healthy food programming. Uh, so that can be stuff like community meals, community gardens, community kitchens. Um, and we facilitate an Indigenous network that um, does knowledge sharing and supports each other in, in their uh, food work. So it sounds like you guys are doing a lot. So then can you just briefly discuss in your own words what food access, what it looks like to you in your everyday work? What we found is that it really impacts people's lives in so many ways beyond what you would think, right? So it it impacts people's physical health. Um, It can cause or exacerbate chronic health problems like diabetes. Um, And in the worst cases, when people are skipping meals or or not eating for entire days, it actually costs our healthcare system more than double what it costs to feed people who are able to eat healthy food on a consistent basis. Um, and And then sometimes it's in ways that you wouldn't think of, like people can't take their prescription medications because they don't have food to take them with. Um, it impacts people's mental health. It can cause depression, anxiety, mood disorders. Um, and, you know, it, it makes people feel really lonely and socially isolated. You know, so much of, of being social in our 
society uh, revolves around food. You know, you go out for coffee or dinner or drinks. And when you you can't afford to do that, you, you can't participate. So, you know, we heard from parents who weren't able to send their kids to birthday parties because they didn't have money for gifts or weren't able to throw their kids' birthday parties because they couldn't, you know, afford a cake or the or the food to feed all of the, the, the guests. Um, and so there's, you know, this is a, a big problem and there's kind of mounting evidence that uh, shows that social isolation is as bad for your health as, as smoking. Yeah, and I think that point you touched on a couple times of social isolation is a really key point because it does affect your mental and physical health. It goes beyond just having food on your plate for dinner. It's something that I think uh, we need to see uh, government support for if we want to really kind of uh, address this problem um, at its roots. The government can do a lot to kind of level the playing field. These problems are systemic, and so it's not it's not about charity. It's about uh, you know systemic change, and really, government is the best place to to address those those uh, systemic issues. And could you, if you had to pick three words or three topics that were to describe what causes food inequality or food access? What would you say? Oh, that's a great question. You know, one thing is uh, an increasingly precarious uh, labor market where people are uh, working jobs that don't have the same kinds of benefits or have low low wages um, or where people can't count on a certain uh, number of, of hours. Um, you know, another problem is that people are increasingly living alone. Um, and so actually people who live alone are the most common kind of household in Canada. And that means that people with one income are trying to shoulder the cost of a whole household, right? So mm-hmm. you don't get to split your rent with uh, other people, for example. Um, and so it's it's much kind of less affordable. And then, um, you know, there's also the, the increased cost of living. Um, those are those are a few reasons, but there's definitely a lot more. Uh, you know, um, colonialism is a really big mm-hmm. is a really big problem, for example, and and is at the root of a lot of uh, the increased rates of food insecurity in Indigenous communities, for example. Are there any positive outcomes you've seen? Yeah, I think um, you know at the grassroots. Um, We've certainly seen people in community food centers and other organizations that we support um, kind of coming together and getting political, you know, talking about the issues that impact their lives and that what we need is for people to become politicized, right? So I realize that like a lot of the listeners here are probably too young to vote, but they can still talk to their members of parliament. They can talk to their parents. They can talk to their teachers and, and let them know that they want a fairer society that takes care of people. Thanks, Sasha. It was great chatting with you. Let's head back and chat with Evan. What are your thoughts on a school food program in Canada? I was I was pretty pleased when the federal government about uh, this time last year, so that would be spring of 2019, announced that they were investigating a school nutrition program as part of the Food Policy for Canada. Now, there were no specific funding commitments directed at that, so, so how far we get with that particular initiative is remains to be seen, but that's a promising sign. Uh, but lots of people think, and I, I think there is pretty good evidence to say that um, that uh, school nutrition programs linked to school literacy programs, so not just giving out food or providing food at in the context of school, but also teaching kids about how to prepare 
buy food and nutrition and whatnot. Those are very effective ways of addressing food insecurity in the long term. Do you have any suggestions for how youth interested in helping to address this problem, whether it's through policy or specific action items, how they can help? Well, I mean, I think that um, youth speak with uh, a moral authority that uh, older people don't have. And and so I think that at the moment, there is a, a moral power to a youth movement that other sectors of society, other demographics, maybe don't can't marshal or can't harness quite as effectively. And so having a, a coherent youth movement calling for a school lunch program or a school nutrition program and a school literacy program might have far more uh, moral power to it and command far more attention than if a bunch of professors ask for the same thing. Right. Yeah, that makes sense to have kind of they have this demographic right now where they're able to push um, different messages on different platforms, even that we might not have as an older generation. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's right. Um, I, I don't think this is an either or. I think that, um, for instance, I think that the the Greta playbook seems to be taking very careful advice from experts in the field, scientists and whatnot. In here, in that case, it's climate change, and then using the the moral power of the use platform to amplify the scientific and expert voices seems to be. Uh, what's happening with that, and and maybe that's the uh, that's a, that's sort of a playbook that could be utilized, where a, a pan Canadian youth movement around school lunches could form that was itself informed by uh, expert opinion and scientific evidence. Yeah, and that's something that interested students could maybe even just start small scale in their school, and then work with teachers to see how they could connect um, at a larger scale with university researchers and policymakers and see how they could kind of all start working together. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Thanks so much, Evan. And thanks again to Danny, Sarah, and Sasha for taking the time to chat with me. I hope this episode has given you some ideas on how you can take action and help build a more just and secure food system. Remember that it all starts with the conversation. You have been listening to the Feeding 9 Billion podcast. To learn more about food security or to incorporate food security into your classroom, please visit our website at feeding9billion.com. This podcast is supported in part by the Social Sciences and Humanities Research Council and the Canada Research Chair Program.